everybody. Welcome to this week's episode of Tales from the Doghouse Separation Anxiety Explained. I am Stacy Bell in the U.S. with Focus Fun and with me today is... Hello, I am Ness Jones. I am in Australia and today we are going to be talking about a topic which I think a lot of people might struggle with. So Nancy, shout out to Nancy, um, who's in my Facebook group. She... Um, she posted a question which I thought is quite relevant and worthy of talking about because it applies to a lot of people. Um, so I'm just going to, it's probably easier if I just read the question um, or bits of it um, just so I get it right. So she's been doing some training um, and she's been doing, you know, warm ups to absences. Um, and she says she always manages her absences, which is good. We like that. Um, <laughs> so she wasn't able to um, keep her, you know, be with her dog. She wasn't doing training. She had to go out. She managed her absence. She found her. She went, took her dog to her neighbours, um, who also has a dog with separation anxiety apparently. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. yeah. So um, the neighbour texted her just before she was coming to pick her dog up that she needed to leave unexpectedly and that the dogs were going to be home alone. Uh, so when Nancy got there, um, she says, I was, I, she snuck up to the house. Can you imagine going <laughs> sneak, 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 up to In the house? little ninja outfit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, she snuck up to the house and she didn't hear a peep from either of the dogs. Um, she opened the door and her dog and her cat were calm and laying on the couch. Uh, she mm-hmm. said, I was, I was talking to them and my dog, oh, so the, her neighbor's dog, sorry. She was talking uh-huh. to those two dogs that, um, that lived there and or the cat and the dog, um, and her dog wasn't around. Uh, so she said, finally, after I called her name, she came out from the bedroom. How can she be there alone and not bark when she's at my house? I can't get past 30 seconds. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so she's she's it's a question and I think it's a really valid question because you know why is the dog struggling with me when I'm trying to leave Mm -hmm. them and yet I take them somewhere else and they're still alone but there's a dog and a cat with them um but they're still Mm -hmm. in a different bedroom as well so yeah and I think Mm -hmm. a lot of people struggle with that because I'm sure you've heard it as well Stacey where you get the ones that say they can't be left home alone but I can leave them in the car for hours and they're fine you would right. Have, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. 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 And I've had ones that kind of similar to what she's experiencing there where they were not okay at their house, but they were okay at like their parents' house or a friend's house or something like that. And, um, you know, it's, it's kind of unexpected because a lot of times that's not the case, but when it is the case, it's, First of all, for me, it's like a yay um, because <laughs> it, it can be a management tool because it sounds like her neighbor's dog was also okay when she got home. Although, you know, it'd be great if we had some video proof of that, but it sounds like both dogs were, were doing well in that, in that situation. So, you know, they might be able to use that as a um, management strategy. I mean, she would still want to train um, at home, but when she's not training or if she has to go out or something, and even if her not, her neighbor's not there, it could be a, a way to, to manage absences. Yeah, for sure. So I think, you know, we have to ask the question why though, don't we? So mm-hmm. 
So it could be a few different reasons. One of them is yep. simply that at your house or where the dog is reactive, that they've just got that association. Maybe they've had a bad experience there um, and they associate being home alone in that particular house, in that particular place with a scary absence. Right. Something right. as simple as that. And so we take them yep. somewhere else and they, they've, not been, they've not built that association. So... Um, right. right. Yeah. yeah. And it could also be another person leaving them, right? Like in this case, her neighbor left her dog instead of her leaving her dog. And for some dogs, even in their own home, it's easier if one person leaves over another. So that could definitely contribute to it as well. Yeah. And one thing Nancy didn't mention, um, so I don't have that data, is is her dog hyper attached to her perhaps so um maybe she's okay as long as there's some creature <laughs> obviously mm-hmm. it doesn't have to be a human person like maybe she's okay um with mm-hmm. another dog and a cat although she wasn't in yeah. the room but she she would have known they were there yeah um, but yeah. you know maybe there's an element of that maybe maybe not even hyper attachment but she just needed some company not um yeah yeah not to be alone. And- and while that's more the exception than the rule, there are always exceptions to the rule. So that certainly could be um, the case for this particular dog. Yeah, yeah. So I guess what is the message then that, you know, it's kind of normal in many senses? Yeah, yeah. I think it's just like when we talk about um using a different door if your dog Mm. has a lot of baggage associated with one door in the house or with one room in the house. You know, dogs have experiences and in in their minds, they make connections between those experiences and the way they felt in those experiences. And then that can, um, you know, kind of be the baggage in future scenarios that um, mimic that setup, if you will. Um, so, you know, if you are noticing that there are some setups or scenarios that your dog does better in, then I would encourage you to take advantage of that, especially earlier in training, even if it's not like my dog is totally okay, even if it's just like, well, this is easier for my dog, I would definitely take advantage of of those um, opportunities for your dog to establish um, kind of a foundation of of being home alone isn't scary. Um, just so to give you um, kind of some traction in, in training, because that early training can seem um, like you're just taking these tiny baby uh, steps. <laughs> if yeah, if there are things that make it easier, then then go for it. Yeah, I think um, what would be interesting is if Nancy was leaving, if her neighbour wasn't home and Nancy Mm -hmm. was leaving her dog there, so it was her doing the leaving, not the neighbour. That would be interesting Mm -hmm. to see if the dog reacts differently. And remembering also that, um, you know, it's hard for dogs to watch their significant people leave. So Mm -hmm. um, so I think... It would be interesting to know if that dog would struggle at the neighbor's house if it was Nancy leaving. So I, right. Is that right. A, a kitty cat? Yeah. <laughs> so, this little movement. Oh, look. Oh, look. Yeah, oh, there, there she is. Oh, so, helpful. so helpful. <laughs> um, 
I think it's a really good point though what you're making about the the association like for us we we can reason a bit more so we can say well I shut my finger in the door but it was an accident and that Mm -hmm. doesn't make the door evil or scary it just means that I shut my finger in the door because I was being clumsy and I'm a Capricorn and you know as a Capricorn, we are quite clumsy people, so I expect <laughs> to do clumsy things. But for a dog, that that association can be, oh, my God, that door's really scary. So mm-hmm. um, not realising that it was just an accident, maybe the wind blew onto them when they were going through, you know, onto their mm-hmm. tail, whatever it is. Um, and, you know, it's really easy for them to join, to join some dots that probably yeah. aren't there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and my, my particular dog, Rowan, is very, you know, very prone to making connections, um, you know, where, where there's not necessarily (laughs) one. So we work very hard to, um, you know, make sure that, that he doesn't have experiences that are are going to end up being like, oh, I'm never going to walk in this hallway again, because, you know, the cat jumped out at me and now the hallway is scary or whatever. So, um, but, but it's true. Um, and the other thing I just wanted to mention that's kind of along these same lines is um, sometimes we do see that when a dog moves or when the family or person moves to a new house that we see after the dogs had some time to um, get familiar or settle in the house, that it is easier for them in the new setting. And that's usually because like you were mentioning earlier, Ness, uh, that they haven't had those negative experiences. Cause at this point, you know, you're managing absences, you're giving them time to settle. You're making sure that their exposures to being home alone in this new setting um, are all neutral or positive. And so the dog is just um, frequently in my experience, able to, um, you know, gain more duration more easily than they were, particularly if the dog is noise sensitive and, or maybe even not, but if they were noise sensitive in an apartment. Um, but anyway, so yeah. that, that's another thing to kind of think about as well. Yeah. And that's a really good point too. So, um, you know, a city dog might struggle in the country, a country dog might struggle in a city, a dog that's mm-hmm. in- apartment that's struggling and they move to a house and it's quieter and they haven't got the the maybe noise of neighbors or lifts or whatever mm-hmm. it is, um they might do better um right but of course moving's not always an option so no moving is not always an option so um you know you do what you can yeah yeah I don't know if Nancy's got any other animals in her home as in other cats or dogs or anything um she hasn't mentioned that, so it would be interesting to know. Mm-hmm. But obviously the dog is still struggling in her house, not. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah, but- I mean, so she could gently test that out by having um, her neighbor's dog come over and see um, does that buy her a little more duration in that setting. The um, only problem with that is she did mention that her neighbor's dogs also got separation anxiety, so it would just mm being a little bit mindful and, and making sure that that dog's not going to struggle. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's true. I, I had forgotten that. Um, fostering is always another option. Uh, fostering. Test the waters. To adopt. Yeah, because, you know, I think we've talked about this on other shows too, is that 
sometimes you get a dog to to help your existing dog, but then there might be some um, other tensions between the two dogs. Maybe they have different play styles or maybe there's some resource guarding or maybe the new one is a barker at sounds and then that sets your dog off or maybe you know, there's so many things, right? So um, making sure that the dogs, if you're getting a dog, um, get the dog for you, not for your dog, but then also <laughs> make sure that it's a good fit because then um, if not, then it, it does kind of open up a whole new can of worms. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally, totally. But yeah, uh, and look, we know there's rescues and they're always looking for foster people. So they sure are a nice they option sure if, you're, if you're confused, if you're not sure. Um, but just be aware also that getting another dog doesn't necessarily mean it's going to help your dog with their home. Yeah. And, and it just usually, depends. it usually doesn't, but you know, there are some exceptions like we said. Yeah. Yeah. So what about the dogs that are okay in cars? I mean, it's obviously the, the significant human is, we're going to say the one leaving them in the car mm-hmm, um, as mm-hmm. opposed to the, the situation where it was the neighbor leaving the dog. Right, right, right. So I think there we could maybe we could maybe say that that dog hasn't had a negative association with being left in the car. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of times in the car, and especially if you have your car, your dog as a puppy, um, because you're you're not really sure what they're going to chew on or when they might need to go potty again. Um, you usually start out with really short absences in the car, right? Um, and so maybe that kind of starting out with really short absences, just running to get grab your food um, from the takeout spot or, you know, whatever, um, maybe that paves the way for for initially more positive connections um that the dog is making um with with cars we always want to make sure that you know that the weather is appropriate for you leaving your dog in the car unless you have like a tesla or another fancy car that has like dog mode on it um oh that yeah it has dog mode right it's an electric car and it has dog mode. And so it'll keep the uh, temperature of the car um, at a good level for your dog, whatever you set it at without, um, you know, the and it doesn't, it's not running like, like gas. Um, it's just using the battery. Um, so, and then there's more cars that are starting to come out with that feature. So um, you'd want to make cool. sure it was working though, wouldn't you? Imagine if it died. Yeah. You- away oh my gosh oh yeah it's like you can't leave cars you can't leave dogs and cars here at the moment the temperature is starting to soar and it's yeah 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 so that's definitely I mean you don't I'd be too paranoid to do that I think (laughs) yeah you'd be like oh well I've got to go to the shops or go and do something for an hour but I'll leave the dog in the car and yeah I'd be like what if it cuts out halfway through or something (laughs) I don't know yeah yeah, I, I mean, I don't think, I don't think I've heard of that happening, but I, I mean, yeah. things malfunction, right? So, um, but anyway, so there, yeah, you just have to be really careful when you're leaving your dog in the car for that reason. Yeah, yeah. But it's, it is interesting that, you know, they, they don't have that. I mean, some dogs do struggle in the car, you know, mm-hmm. so, and often mm-hmm. cars too, 
um, you know, you hear about the dogs that at the petrol station and you get out to get the petrol and they're barking their heads off and carrying on. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's it might it's comes under the category of separation related behaviors, but it may be not necessarily separation yeah. anxiety as opposed to frustration, FOMO. I can see you, I know you're there. Cars are right. exciting. Right. We always go to the park when we're in the cars. And uh <laughs> and oh here there's kitty cat again. Um very helpful today um yeah so so they get that element of frustration and stuff yeah and I think and and the other thing that you would have to be aware of is some dogs like if somebody approaches your car or come near your car um while they're in the car that unsettles them or makes them fearful or you know whatever um so that's another thing to is um is you know know your dog even if the dog is okay with the um being alone in the car piece of it if it's going to make them anxious if somebody walks by the car or something like that then you know that's probably not a good fit either yeah just off topic so chase the dog behind me on the wall the Malinois Uh she's really good in the car like she's um you know she's she's friendly with people and she she doesn't Mm -hmm. every now and then there'll be some bloke that I don't know if she thinks they're sneaking up on the car and she'll get this really low guttural Mm -hmm. like whoa and I'm like when they when she does that I'm when they walk past I'm like looking at them like yeah yeah (laughs) oh yeah I'm ready to let her out if I need to (laughs) yeah Rowan um Rowan is the same way he's like you I mean he's not like the most chill dog to begin with um as far as um strangers go but like when we're out and about we can walk around and he's not gonna be bothered by anything but um sometimes when we're in the car and there's like somebody walking by like you said like he'll be like hmm no I'm suspicious of you and he'll do like a little bit of a a growl (laughs) yeah Um, yeah yeah do you think we've covered all the the key I think so I think so and I think if um you know, there are obviously other factors that are tangential to what we're talking about here as far as um, what makes it easier or harder for your dog to be alone. And we talked about that in um, a podcast, I think, on scenarios. Um, so if you are interested in learning about how other things might affect how easy or hard it is for your dog to be alone, um, then that would be one to listen to. Yeah, yeah, and just um, just you know, we understand that it is confusing, um, but mm-hmm. it's not abnormal for your dogs to do mm-hmm. this. Um, nice if we can figure out why they're doing it, um, because that can help us. Um, what's the right word? Well, it can help us make training decisions and set your yeah, dog yeah, up for success, yeah. right? And so, I mean, I think it's just kind of a plug for doing some record keeping. Um, Mm. when you see those trends as to, you know, wow, every time I train at night, it's easier for my dog or my dog's more successful when I train on the weekends or like whatever the case is for your particular dog. Um, just knowing that can really help, um, us formulate a more tailored training plan for your dog and to set you guys up for success. So I think that's, um, an important piece of it, but the bottom line is, 
if you notice that your dog is okay at your friend's house, um, when your friend leaves them, then, then that's great. I mean, you, you just, so you have that information now, you know that your dog can do it. Um, so you could use that as a, um, a management strategy, or if, if, you notice that your dog um, can be home uh, longer when um, at certain times of day or whatever, you can, you just take that into account and you just meet your dog where they are in that specific scenario. Mm -hmm. So it's, it is important to, to just note those things as far as um, training goes. Yeah. And if you're starting out with your training, we do want to do the scenario the training at the time the dog's gonna struggle the least uh, it's really, yeah. really really important um mm-hmm. you don't want to make it hard for your dog so we call it setting it up for setting them up for success but we don't yep. make it we just want to make it easy so you know um do it when they've had some exercise some enrichment when the time of day is right for them you know when they're ready to rest when they're not mm-hmm. hungry when they don't need to go to the loo right make it as easy on your dog as you possibly can and then you can worry about the harder scenarios down the track but yeah exactly yeah cool all right we're good all right yep thank you for listening to tales from the dog house separation anxiety explained make sure you hit the subscribe button if you're watching on youtube and um if you're listening to us on uh in your ears on a podcast then yes subscribe there as well follow whatever it is (laughs) they're all different (laughs) do the things do all the things yeah and also we work remotely um stacy and i so you know if you need our help reach out we're here sure thing we'll see you guys next time Bye. bye